The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You took a break, you searched your soul, and now the world's your lover. Making the world your lover. Oh, that's what we're here to do, my darlings. That's what we do through my online joy school at lisamacourt.com. Through my newest book, Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness. And it's what we're going to do right here, right now together on the Do Joy podcast, where I bring you fascinating guests with powerful insights for elevating your personal vibration. Deep lasting happiness is a skill you can learn, and I'm so honored to be on this journey with you. Happy summertime, my beautiful listeners. Are you making the world your lover? I hope you are. It's possible, I promise you, no matter what you're facing right now. Y'all have been asking about what's happening over here with Joy School and the new book, so I'll share a little about that, and then I can't wait for you to experience the beauty of my precious brother, Scott Stabile, one of my favorite co-conspirators in upending this crazy world with joy and love. So here's the scoop. Every month, you have two online opportunities to experience Joy School. Every first Monday of the month, I host First Monday Joy Connection, along with Victoria Shaw, my remarkable intuitive co-host who gives personal readings to attendees every month. Come with your questions. Her spot-on intuitive guidance will blow you away. These Mondays are where I teach practices from the new book, Free Your Joy, and we do spot coaching and integration exercises. You can see all about that at lisamacourt.com, and you'll also see that Victoria and I have opened registration for our live and in-person retreat at Stunning Cactus Blossom Retreat Center in Southern California, October 13th to 15th. So grab your spot for that. It's going to be so good. So your other online option happens every third Wednesday of the month. It's called Joy School Spotlight. This is when I spotlight an aligned teacher or author, some kind of superstar in the field of transformation and growth. And you're going to get a peek at that deliciousness in this podcast in just a moment. The other thing that's going on right now, the part that's really timely, is that as part of the new book launch celebration, there are a limited number of spots for you to experience both of those monthly online events at almost zero dollars. So please, my darlings, go quickly to lisamacourt.com and you'll see the pre-order bundle of gifts is waiting for you there. It's not only this incredible Joy School offer, it's tons of other valuable free things that my friends have contributed personal psychic readings, sessions, live online workshops, downloads 
downloads of meditations and books and music. It is a treasure trove of beautiful, free, transformative gifts, and I don't want you to miss it. Okay, now, because we all loved it so much, I'm going to share a bit of our recent Joy School Spotlight event with my so very cherished friend, Scott Stibule. We always start the event off with an interview format where you can just get a sense of the messaging of this guest that I'm spotlighting. And we go from there into a fully interactive group discussion where the guest teacher and I both spot coach participants to ensure full integration of what we've been talking about and just to make sure everyone leaves with tools for bringing the insights and practices into their own unique lives. I never record that second half of the event. That's where the participants get vulnerable and real, and that stays completely private, of course. But I do want to share with you some of the first part of this beautiful evening that we had with Scott. And I want you to really rub these words right into your heart. Just breathe them in. Let them tenderly caress all those emotional bruises and scars that you have inside you. Love is our greatest healer, darlings. That's at the core of my work and at the core of Scott's. And I'm going to bring you in right at the point where we started talking about summertime joy and fun. Here's Scott. Yeah, I just want to, can I toss one in there as well? Please, yes. Just fun, right? The summer, when I think of summer and summer solstice and longer days and sunshine, I think of joy and fun and celebration And it is so easy to get caught up in this idea that the path of healing and growth has to be this heavy thing and this drudgery and this work. And it is work, of course. And yet, can we open ourselves up to the joy, to the curiosity and the possibility that lives within that joy when we don't mire ourselves in this idea that it's drudgery? So fun, let's celebrate. Yeah, I love that you brought that up. I always think it's interesting that that word healing, when used in the context of spiritual growth and and development, like people are afraid of that. Like if you say like, let's heal your physical body, everybody wants to heal your physical body, but heal your your psyche, your energy, like, oh, that that feels scary. I think it's because some of those programs are actually super scary that people have been done and talked about. (laughs) And word gets out about that, those tough love, you know, face your demons head on like a protagonist in an M-rated video game or, you know, you have to re-traumatize yourself to heal your trauma. You don't, you don't. It can be really gentle and self-loving and self-love is the name of the game with, uh, with Scott over here. So and not not to deny that it also is work, right? Like this this path, this journey, if you're committing yourself, if you're here to to grow and evolve and expand, you're going to confront a lot. And part of that is not going to feel comfortable, right? The getting honest with ourselves is not often a comfortable experience. And yet I think it we make it, I, I'll speak for myself. I know that I have for years made it much heavier by the energy I'm bringing to uh, to that work, right? And so what I'm playing with a lot in my life right now is acknowledging, yeah, there's a lot of discomfort. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot on this planet to take in, right? There's a lot, of, lot to be angry about. There's a lot to be sad about. There's a lot to celebrate, a lot to be joyful about. But what happens instead of no matter what I'm experiencing, instead of coming at it from this place when it's the harder stuff of of heaviness and 
and oh man, this again, and I'm revisiting the same patterns again. What happens if I shift that intentionally and come at it from this place of openness and curiosity instead of like, oh man, I'm, I thought I was over this and yet I'm facing it again. It's like, oh, whoa, I thought it was over that one and here it is again. And, and by doing it that way, it's not denying anything. It's not pretending that something doesn't exist that exists. It's simply making ourselves more expansive to energies that are also existing. I think sometimes we, in our compulsion to not spiritually bypass anything, we end up bypassing a whole host of things that exist on this planet, like joy and celebration and curiosity and possibility. So I, I think the invitation I'd like to present is just remembering that we are wildly expansive energetic beings and if we find ourselves mired in one state we're not in our expansion and especially if we find ourselves stuck in a state that has us feeling miserable or heavy or stuck um, that's an opportunity to consider how can i expand right now you know what what questions can i ask myself that might that ask myself that might take me out of the heaviness into something that feels a little lighter. Again, not from a place of denial, just from a place of opening ourselves up to our expansion. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, you talked about being honest with ourselves. You talked about spiritual bypass. Do you want to expand a little bit in case people aren't familiar with spiritual bypass? Sure. I mean, there's it's it's the idea that everything's perfect and beautiful and all is well and love and light, but from a place of denial, from an unwillingness to actually sit with and be present with what is painful, what is uncomfortable, what isn't working, right? And, and when we do that, you know, my, my experience of this existence, it's, it's vibrational, it's energetic. And if I'm, if I'm sitting here and saying to you, I feel really joyful tonight, but how I really feel is like crap. It's my energy that is what's real. So my words are not going to trump what I'm actually feeling and experiencing. So for me, spiritual bypassing is if I'm speaking to something that isn't real in order to not experience the discomfort of what is real. And does that make sense? Was that clear? Oh, very so, much. And, and I think that there's, I've, I mean, I've spiritual bypassed the hell out of my life for stretches for sure. And I think what I'm seeing in the world, in the, the world of healing and spirituality now is there's, there's so much focus on spiritual bypassing that I think the pendulum has swung to the extreme in the other direction. So we're so consumed with not spiritual bypassing that we end up not holding ourselves available to all the beauty that exists here and all the joy and light that actually does exist here because we're like, we wanna feel the discomfort so we're not spiritual bypassing. And what I'm just suggesting is what happens if we just remember we are wildly big energetic bodies who are actually capable of of holding space for all of it. And so if I find myself stuck in one thing, for me, it's always an invitation to look at, well, how can I expand my energy? How can I hold space for more than this one thing that feels sticky or stuck? Hey, because trying to discern <clears throat> what is my truth right now 
there are, there are usually multiple answers to that question, right? So if we think that, uh, you know, I, I can't just say affirmations because then I'm just pasting a smiley face over a cesspool because I know I also have that trauma. If we're focusing on the, the trauma and making that our truth about ourselves, we're ignoring other equally valid truths that we could be looking at. Absolutely. And then also remembering, and and I know with you, Lisa, I'm preaching the choir with, with all this that I'm saying. It's like remembering that our minds naturally steer toward focusing on the negative, prioritizing the negative, prioritizing all that is not working in our lives and in the world. So understanding that our minds are going to move in that direction automatically. My understanding of that means that it's incumbent upon me to be more proactive in considering the benefits of my life, in steering myself to the realities of the beauty here and the joy here, because I know that my mind is going to steer the other way. So for me, I'm seeking balance in that way. And what happens because in everything I'm saying tonight is my experience. So take what feels right, discard what doesn't. Um, it's my experience of my life and what I observe and feel. Um, it's, it's understanding that everything is energy. So I, in my experience, the more energy I put into um, giving myself over to joy, witnessing joy, witnessing beauty, creating beauty, um, the more likely I'm going to be to experience more and more of it and create more and more of it because it's momentum. Energy builds momentum. And we know this. If we pay any attention to our lived experience, we know when we start cycling down the path of woe is me, everything sucks, my life is terrible, that's a very easy path to build momentum on. And we can be caravaning into the depths of misery in no time, right? And at the same, at the same time, if we start doing that in the opposite direction, we're likely to notice, hey, I'm, I'm really making a beauty and connection and meaning and creativity a priority in my life. I'm giving energy over to those things and I'm discovering it more in my life. That's not an accident, right? For me, this is just like one plus one equals two. It's, it's that famous saying like where you're I always mix it up whenever I do things like where your energy goes, your energy flow, or where your attention goes, your energy flows. And, and when I pay attention to my life, that is happening all the time. And what's so powerful about that is there was a point at which I felt like it was really heavy to understand that I'm wholly responsible for my life, that I am responsible no matter what's happened to me. It is my responsibility how I respond to it, and it's my responsibility what I take from it and how I move forward and what I create from that place. And that felt really heavy when I felt like crap about myself, right? And it feels wildly empowering when you can come into that understanding, I am responsible for my life which means no matter what anyone's doing, no matter what's happening outside of me and in the world, it's not that I won't be affected by it, but I have the power within me to move through my life in this world in alignment with what is most true in my heart and soul. And no one can ever take that power away from me. And that is the greatest power we have, right? And so when we understand that, and then what happens when we're choosing consciously, how we want to move through our lives and aligning those choices as often as possible with love. 
and everything love invites into our lives, like compassion, forgiveness, kindness. This for me is the, the recipe for creating a much more fulfilling life. And I say that, and I also want to say, I have plenty of moments in my life where I'm unhappy and angry and miserable, and that's all part of being alive too. And even to those moments, what I'm able to bring now is something I was never able to bring before, which is this deeper sense of peace and okayness with it. Just because I'm so committed to loving myself through whatever I'm experiencing, that whatever I'm experiencing feels a bit more okay to a lot more okay, because I know I have my back on the other side of it and through it. You interrupt me. I'm just going off now. So just talk, say things, interrupt, I'm whatever. not going to interrupt that. <laughs> I love how you articulated that. I love the idea of the momentum because sometimes it can be trickier to get the momentum going in the good direction, right? If there's something super seductive about those scary thoughts, we, we've been conditioned to think that, that keeping our eye on the ball of whatever's threatening out there is what's going to keep us safe from it. But as we know, energy flows where attention goes. And by putting all that attention on it, we're really just keeping it alive in our experience, just keeping it, keeping it a, a big presence in our lives. When if we could find that momentum that you're talking about to take us in the other direction, the, the big scary thing would kind of have to dwindle away. We wouldn't be feeding it anymore. There wouldn't be any more, more energy to, to keep it alive and, and vibrant for us. Absolutely. And, and you're absolutely right. It's you can't if you're if you're in the life is terrible and I'm a terrible person. It is impossible to swing to life is beautiful and I'm an amazing person. That is not something that's going to happen. But what can happen in this, I really want to credit the work of Abraham Hicks, because I feel like the way they talk about momentum and energy really, I really resonate with it. it. It makes a lot of sense to me. So if you're in the life is terrible and I'm a terrible person, rather than trying to shift yourself to life is beautiful and I'm a beautiful person, because that's not going to happen in an honest way. And again, your energy is going to be more compelling than the words. Um, just think about anything other than yourself. Like that, that for me is how I start to gradually shift out of everything sucks. It's like, if I'm not able to think about my life or myself in a way that feels good, then I know it's time to stop thinking about my life and myself. Like think about anything else. Go start watching the squirrels in the backyard or your pets or your children or your nieces, whatever brings you joy. Um, whatever creates surprise in your life, give some attention and energy to those things. Because what that does is it takes that momentum away from the misery and it gets you to a place that feels much more neutral. And then if you can, you know, I have this, I think I've shared this with you, Lisa, before. I have this video of this little poofy lap dog that l licks green smoothies. And it's it's just this dog going, like for minutes and and when i know i need to shift from the misery thing i find that video i watch that dog no matter what i'm feeling it makes me laugh it brings me joy it sets me in a, a bit more of a neutral place and you know what if i have to do that for a long time i'll do it for a long time because again i think that that serves me much more than sitting in misery does 
if sitting in misery, I'm not able to look at what's happening in a constructive way that has any potential of steering me out of it, right? It's like, again, because I think the, the thing I wanna make clear, none of this is about denying what is. It's about recognizing sometimes we're so focused on what is through the lens of what is is terrible that we're actually not creating any hope of something positive for ourselves in the way we're focusing. So if I need to just shift to something entirely different and lose myself in a dog lapping a Slurpee or whatever it is for you, then I'm gonna gift myself that because I understand that there's a much better chance for me to leap from that place to, hey, not everything in my life is terrible. These are some things I can be grateful for. That's a much easier leap than everything's terrible. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for those leaps. Like I wanna feel good. And I, I recognize that about myself. I want to feel good as often as possible in a human reality that often feels bad. So I understand that about myself. I believe that is a, an innate human desire. I think we are all wanting to feel good often, more often. And knowing that I'm always looking for ways in which to do it. And, and for me, what it, what it comes back to again and again and again is whenever I feel most aligned with my heart and most aligned with love and lead from that place and let, let the nudges that come come from a loving place, I'm so much more likely to center myself on a path that creates more joy and connection and meaning. So as Lisa opened with, I don't know exactly what you said, but you essentially said, it all comes back to love, right? <laughs> and, and I feel like that's the foundation for me from which we can move through our lives with more bliss than we can even begin to imagine. For sure. Okay, this is a little bit of a nuanced question, but I know you're going to have an amazing answer to this. We we do in Joy School what we call our feel to heal practices, where we acknowledge that we've all had traumas that have been stored away in our precious little tissues and neuropeptides cling to the cells and we store these things and we get triggered by things out here in our day to day lives when they bump up against those energies that are in there that the way to heal and release that is to feel mm -hmm. and, and accept and love ourselves through those feelings. Do you have a discernment practice for when this calls for a dog licking a Slurpee and when this calls mm -hmm. for, let me go dig around and, and really feel this to heal it and show myself all the love and compassion I need to, to release this stored trauma? such a great question and yeah i would say i do i have a discernment practice yes do i always practice it no sometimes i sit in the the i'll, I'll give you an example i had a conflict with uh with a loved one recently and as can happen after conflicts with loved ones i was resting in a state of everything that was wrong about what he said and did and how he was a terrible person for saying and doing what he did. And I was spinning out hamster on the wheel, replaying everything, but locked in this idea that he was wrong, he was wrong, he was wrong. And not in any way taking myself to a place of constructive healing. Mm -hmm. 
So what I understood was that right now, the only way I'm able to be with my feelings around this is to make him a villain. And that is in no way going to bring us closer to creating any sort of resolution between us. So I knew, I felt the best thing I could do for myself was just to stop, do something to distract myself, to stop thinking about this. And, and now later I was a, with time and space and sometimes I can get there faster than other times. In this instance, I couldn't get there very quickly, but when I was able to revisit it and hold space for his place in this experience, his story, what he was coming, bringing to it, I was able to reflect on that experience with much more openness, much more compassion, much more empathy, and much more love. And so I knew that I was actually serving not only myself, but the experience between the two of us. So I was actually creating healing because I was showing up with more openness in my heart. So for me, those are two very different ways to approach the exact same situation. And I, and I knew the first way I was approaching it wasn't serving anything. So there was no point in me sitting in that because I wasn't in a, in a space to create any healing around it. And then when I felt more open, I'm like, I'm more open. I'm in my compassion. I can feel my heart again. I'm not just in my head and my ego and my blame. It's like, ah, there's an opportunity here now to reflect on this and actually create the possibility of healing. Does that make sense? That distinction? I love how you applied both sides to, to one situation. That that was a really beautiful way to describe that. And I also want to say that I sat in the first part, the anger and the blame, way longer than I would have preferred. Uh, and like, that's just what was going on. I was feeling it. I wasn't healing anything. And at the same time, what I, what I will share about that experience that was really positive for me, and I did have awareness, was like, as I'm stewing, as I'm in blame, as I'm not being loving, as a part of my mind is like, I can't believe you're, you're being this insane about this. You are a loving person and look at you. You know, a part of my mind wants to judge that you should be more evolved, blah, 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 all that noise. All that's going on. And there was a part of me, the part of me that is so practiced in loving myself that was like, hey, honey, this is okay. This is all part of it. You're human. You're going to be in your anger and blame as long as it needs to be there until it plays out. And you also know that you're going to move beyond your anger and blame. So you're human. I love you. You're beautiful. Do whatever you have to do. And that for me is the game changer. That's the gift of self-love. It's, it's it, when, you, when you're so practiced at self-love, you can get to a place, I believe we all can, where no matter what's happening, no matter how much you regress to the, the 11-year-old who was you know betrayed or traumatized or whatever and is so freaking angry and blameful and hurt that that you can there's a part of you that's so practiced in self-love that even in those moments you can show up for yourself and and tap yourself on the shoulder metaphorically and just remind yourself hey this is all human too there's nothing wrong with you there's nothing wrong with your anger there's nothing wrong with your blame you'll get to the other side of it you always do i love you so well, it changes everything 
that that's the voice. That's the voice we all want to work to cultivate in our minds. It's not natural to most of us. Mm. That's the way we're we're raised in our culture these days. Scott, I I know that that voice that you just demonstrated so beautifully was not always the voice that you heard in your mind. Was there a a turning point for you? Was it just a a lot of years of dedication and practice? Were there any moments where you looked back and realized that's a different voice that I used to hear? Tell us about the progression to developing that, that mind voice. Yeah, I don't think it was a turning point. I think it was, it was like the real, it was, it wasn't even a realization in a moment. I think it was just a realization over time of like, whoa, the way I talk to myself is different. And, and that came from, for me, a, 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 a deep understanding that love is our greatest healer. I believe that with everything that I've got, every cell in my being, that there is nothing more powerful than the energy of love. And, and operating from that place as often as possible, it's what stands to heal. Um, so, and I'm, I've been for many years incredibly willing to love myself even when I wasn't and incredibly committed to loving myself even when I wasn't. So that willingness and that commitment kept me coming back to, hey, this isn't love, what you're saying to yourself right now. Like, what can you offer yourself something different here? Again and again and again. Hey, this isn't love. What would love invite you to say to yourself right now? Hey, this isn't love. How would love encourage you to respond to this person right now? And and for me, this is work. When I talk about this path as work, that's the work. But the alternative to that work is feeling like crap all the time because I'm committing to hatred and blame and judgment and villainization. Is that if that's even a word? <laughs> you know, like so there's work any way you look at it. But the the difference is that the work of love is eventually going to put you in in a place where you much more naturally it love doesn't feel like work to me now. Mostly. <laughs> I mean, lo, like our political sphere, like that's very challenging. <laughs> like it it definitely provokes a lot of emotions other than love. So but in terms of loving myself, it, it rarely feels like work. It feels like it's so practiced. I've given it so much energy that I naturally flip there when I catch myself. I don't stay in the self-abuse nearly as long and not because I'm in any way special, only because I'm really committed to not staying in self-abuse. I don't think it serves anything. And for anyone out there, if there's anyone listening who has any struggle around self-love because you're in any way caught up in this notion of self-love as this selfish practice. Um, I want to say it's absolutely a selfish practice and it is the most beautiful selfishness that could ever exist because love is a pure positive energy. And anytime you are operating from that place, whether you're loving yourself or another person, you're serving all. Right. So you showing up with love for yourself, you are automatically creating the possibility of showing up for others in a much more loving way and showing up for our world in a much more loving way. It's the only possibility as far as I see. 
So please let go if your mind is telling you you're selfish in any way for giving all of your energy, all of this energy to loving yourself. It's an old story and it's and, and it is especially hard for women who are conditioned within an inch of their lives to take care of everyone else and to be of service and to put themselves last. And that's what makes you a, a, a reputable woman, an upstanding woman. It's all nonsense. It's not true. It's all BS, right? And the sooner we can acknowledge the aspects of our conditioning that are rooted in nothing but BS, the, the freer we become to live into the truth of, of who we really are. And yeah, love is only pure. It's only positive. I've, I've never experienced an example in my life. I've never felt anything but good when I am coming from a place of love. And I don't think anyone has. I, I, I feel like I don't, I don't like to say, I don't like to speak for other people where I'm kind of like, I just don't know how it would be possible. So, yeah. For sure. Yeah. So every spiritual tradition has said that we are love. Love is the energy that animates our form. Love is yeah. the, the thing that charges us that we are. <laughs> so if this is true, and I believe it is, why is it so hard for people to naturally come from that place? What I know what, what we talked about in joy school, but I want to hear what you talk about in terms of what what's the problem then? Why aren't we just more naturally tapped into that loving place for ourselves and others? I mean, I think we're probably naturally tapped into it, but for a very limited period of time. And then it just, be, we, we get conditioned out of it. We get, we get trained out of that literally don't i love how before a lot of you arrived lisa was offering the opportunity to the people here to like to brag about yourself right and essentially just share something you appreciate about yourself or love about yourself right that is not how we're brought up in any we're brought up in the opposite way don't you dare brag about yourself don't you dare share the positive things about yourself like we're trained in so many ways to hide who we are, to silence who we are, to shrink who we are, that that the messaging in that training is it is not in and, and we we what is tied to that, whether verbally or through suggestion, is that to love yourself is to do those things to be cocky like don't don't do that don't love yourself because you will be seen in this way. So I just I, I feel like essentially that's it we're not taught how to love ourselves we're taught the opposite and we're shunned and and berated when we do so why would anyone step into their power and also when you love yourself you allow yourself to be the truest expression of who you are and if the truest expression of who you are lives outside the norms of society and it will always live outside the norms of society if you're honoring all of who you are in an honest way um that's a heavy burden because we don't want to live outside the norms of society and we don't want to be judged by people it's painful it hurts we're trained to fit in so there's a whole host of reasons there's a whole host of pressures that keep us in a box, right? And, and there's not nearly as much that's encouraging us to live in our truth. But I had a realization, it's kind of like the realization of I'm responsible for my life. I had this realization that whether I live in this box of conditioning, 
that doesn't honestly reflect who I am, or I live in the most expansive expression of my truth, the freest Scott I can be, either way, I'm going to be judged by other people. And that's the thing that keeps us from living in our freedom is that fear of being judged by others. But when you recognize no matter what you do, you're going to be judged by others. That for me was another invitation to freedom. It's like, I'm going to be judged anyway. So why the hell would I live in this box? There's so much more joy in the freedom. There's so much more meaning. There's so much more fulfillment. So if I'm going to be judged anyway, let me be as free as I can possibly be because the benefits that come from that far outweigh what happens in that little box of conditioning. And when you open to the realization that anybody who's judging you, it's all about what they're carrying inside them. It's really never even about you. We have thousands of versions of us walking around the planet. Every person who's ever bumped against us has created their version of who we are. And none of those are similar and none of them are similar to our own version of ourselves. So, so what even is the, the truth? It's just about... <laughs> what even is the truth that is a book title what even is the truth seriously i don't even know my truth half the time let alone someone else's truth so much more effective is just learning to love ourselves more and more more than worrying about what anybody else thinks about us because that's so irrelevant to who we are I was interviewed earlier today on a podcast where we talked about shame. We talked about it specifically in the context of the LGBTQ community, because that was what this podcast interview was about. But I was explaining that, yes, I definitely understand why culturally there's there's some shame inherent in that experience. But all of us, everybody that I've ever worked with or encountered, we're carrying so much subconscious shame. And we keep it subconscious because... To admit, oh, I'm carrying shame implies I've done something wrong, right? But that's really not what shame is about. Most of the shame that we carry is completely unwarranted. It's not about anything that we did wrong. But I just feel that's such a pervasive, I guess it's a, a parenting attitude or it's just a, a cultural something that gets put upon kids. But most of us are really letting our joy be eclipsed by this bushel of shame that we carry around without being conscious of it half the time. Yeah, and that's what's so insidious about shame is, as you said, it has it's not about what we do. Shame tells us we are inherently flawed. Like no matter what we do, like the flaw is inherent. There is something wrong with us. And the the only thing I, you know, what I've learned about shame is that the more I've, the more I've learned to love myself and come to love myself, the less weight my shame continues to have, you know? And that is, and I am a gay man, so I know the, the shame of, I'm a 52 year old gay man, you know, and I know the shame of growing up and feeling disgusting and like a sinner and a pervert and all of these horrible things and resisting it and trying so hard not to be that, you know, and in the great, the great gift in that for me was when you, when you face some of the harder I see that as one of the harder shames in my life to have to have confronted. And when you face these things inside of yourself and you, you transcend them, however you transcend them, you, you can't help but get stronger and you can't help but, but be able to face other types of shames with a different level of resilience because you transcended one. And for me, that's one of the 
the great gifts of this healing path is is I really believe that as we're working on one thing in our lives, we're never just working on that one thing, you know? So if like, if the money thing is your story, or if the relate a relationship thing is your story, or if, if envy is your story and you're, you're giving energy over to healing that and looking at it and exploring it, um, it's never going to be just about that. Like the, the, the gifts that you're creating for yourself and a whole host of other areas you may not even realize until six months down the line this other thing that would typically drive you crazy you realize that's not even an issue for me anymore and it might have nothing to do with the money story but the energy and work you gave to clearing that money story is what created an opening over here around your creativity because it's all energy you cannot give your energy to your healing without giving energy to healing everything. It's it's that's how I experience energy. Oh, no, for sure. Right? That's and that's why I feel like when we talk about feeling, I think that there that it's easy to believe that we can deny the harder things. And and we can look, we can I'm I'm great at numbing. I've been a, a master number in a whole host of different ways. But what I came to understand was that if I'm trying to shut out the painful aspects of my life, I am absolutely shutting out joy. There, there, you can't just shut, you can't just decide, I'm going to put a wall up to all the uncomfortable parts of life without also putting a wall up to everything to, on, some, on some level. And so, so the, the beautiful thing about letting our walls crumble and actually living into feeling whatever is going on is that we naturally invite more joy and beauty in our lives and that naturally creates for us i in my experience um a greater ability to hold space for the less comfortable things as well so um, i feel like the light the light i don't i have no, i have have no science to support what i'm about to say but i feel like the light in me is expanding monumentally more than the darkness within me. So I feel like as I'm opening, as I'm growing, as I'm expanding, making myself available to everything that I'm feeling, I feel so much more expansive in my light and it makes it so much more possible for me to, to just be with my sadness and be with my anger and be with everything else beautifully articulated yeah in joy school we say the pendulum can only swing one way to the extent it swings the other if you're not willing to feel your pain to accept it to embrace it you're you're just gonna have little tiny sweeps of the pendulum down there without a lot of uh, a lot of feeling in either direction i love how you just talked about that and i know that um well i'm going to assume that people listening are saying yeah I want some of that. I want to have this this trajectory that that Scott is describing here. Tell us about the various. I know that uh, breathwork is a tool that you employ. I'd love for you to talk about breathwork, and also anything else that you could say. Here's a a practice. I mean, I know a lot of it is just between our ears and just commitment to keep thinking these thoughts <clears throat> and the the way that you've laid them out. But practices. Sure. Well, I'm a big fan of breath work, as you know, and I guide breath work and it, it is, 
if you haven't played with breathwork, please explore it. Um, it's, it has been such a game changer for me in part because this, it's a, I call it transformational breathwork and it's a specific breath that we do for a specific amount of time. But one of the great gifts of this practice is one, you can just do it on your own. You can make a playlist, breathe as long you want, as you want to breathe, but it is incredibly effective at getting you out of your head and getting you into your body and into the breath and incredibly effective at releasing what needs to let go. As Lisa said in the beginning, we're holding everything, all of our traumas, all of our anger, our body holds on to everything. And I have found no practice more effective than these breathing practices for moving stuck energy and clearing it out. And in in I've had some of the most profound healings of my life in breathwork practices in part because I feel the energy moving out of me dissipating and it's gone it's gone. So anyway, breathwork is a, is a tangible, tangible practice, but how I would also answer your question is just to say, to start bringing as much awareness as possible to the things in your life that you're discovering are working for you and then giving energy to those things. Maybe for some of you, that's meditation. For me, it's also walks in nature. That's one of the most effective tools for me to clear my mind and to get me grounded right? Maybe that works for you. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe warm baths work for you. If it does, are you making time for those things? Really, it's about making time for the things that we come to discover work for us. Understanding that we have more control over our thoughts than we tend to realize, which isn't to say we can control all our thoughts. We're thinking things that we're not even aware we're thinking until we're aware we're thinking them. But the moment you're aware that what you're thinking is in any way self-abusive? Are you beating yourself up again? Are you tearing yourself down? Are you telling yourself in some way that you're not worthy, that you're not enough, that you're ugly, that you're stupid, that you're lazy? All of these things are not true. And the more energy we give to the, the lies of our minds, the more likely we are to settle ourselves in an uncomfortable, heavy, miserable feeling. So one practice is the moment you're aware that what you're doing is self-abusive in your thoughts, your words, your actions, the moment you bring awareness to it, do something different. And again, even if that difference isn't, I hate myself to I love myself, it can be watching the dog video or just calling your pet over and playing or stepping outside, right? Um, these are all very basic things, but I really, I really believe that these are all the things that make a difference. It's like we know what we need to do for ourselves. We just don't often make the time to do it. A thousand times I've said, I need to get outside more. And I've said that while I've been five feet away from a front door on the opposite <laughs> side of which is the outside, right? And yet I'm sitting in my home saying, I need to get outside more. I need to get outside more. It's like, take five steps and you'll be outside, right? And you, that example for me applies to so much of what we do in our lives. It's like, I, I suspect each one of you here could write a list of at least five things that you know if you did them, it would create change in your life. It would, it would add more joy to your life. So are you doing them? That that's that's it. Just start paying attention to 
the choices that have you feeling better and give more energy to those choices and pay attention to the choices that have you feeling like crap and start eliminating those choices and you change your life overnight. And I know this, I'm making it sound like the simplest thing, but only because it's the simplest thing, which doesn't mean it's easy because we're human beings and we come up with all of our excuses and I do all the time as well, but it is simple. I think you nailed this, Scott, when you told us earlier that you had made a commitment to loving yourself more. You wanted to, you were ready, you told yourself you were going to try to. That's really the commitment that is the hardest step for a lot of people, I think. Once we've made that commitment, you're right, the steps that need to be taken do sort of come up in obvious ways for us if we're looking for them and we're ready to take those steps. And I just Absolutely. want to know that Scott guides online breathwork. It's amazing. I've done it many times with him. You can uh, find out about that if you would like Scott to guide you in breathwork. Yes, you can do it yourself, but maybe at least the first few times you want an awesome guide helping you along. I feel a, a much yeah. more effective process with Scott guiding me. So definitely find him for that. And definitely. And I just want to add to what you were just saying, Lisa, because the, the thing about, um, like even the example I used of the outside in, in saying I need to get outside, the, the, the biggest game changer for me in my life has been even in those moments when I'm sitting there saying I need to get outside more and I'm aware that like outside is right there and I'm still choosing not to go through the door to the outside is not shaming myself for those for doing that, not shaming myself for just sitting my butt on the thing and tubbing ice cream into my mouth while I'm binging Netflix, just in those moments, still reminding myself, it's okay, honey, you're human. And, and there's nothing wrong with you. That's the biggest game changer because I know that I know I have my back and knowing you have your back, it changes everything about your life. It sets you up to take more risks. Because if you fail, however you view fail or success, you know you're going to be there on the other side of it, not to shame yourself, but to hold yourself, to support yourself, to cheerlead yourself. The things we are able to do, the steps we're able to take when we know we have our own backs, when we know we are there with love, no matter what, it changes everything. And that, for me, is why this willingness and commitment to love ourselves is, is so critically important to creating a better life, is because it, it starts to eliminate shame. And I think that so much of our misery, it, it is less about the fact that I'm binging Netflix it's about the fact that I'm judging myself for binging Netflix. I am shaming myself for binging Netflix, which that's what creates the pain. It's not watching TV. Yeah, okay, t watching hours of TV isn't going to be the healthiest choice, but that's not what is taking me down the spiral. It's the judgment I place on it. And if we can just eliminate that step, we don't have to it's not a rule that we have to shame ourselves every time we make a choice that we understand is maybe not the healthiest choice. What if you just let yourself binge Netflix because you're going to binge it anyway? What if you just binge it and be like, oh, yeah, I just binged Netflix. OK, tomorrow night I'm hopefully won't binge Netflix. But even if I do, I'm going to love myself because why would I why wouldn't I love myself? Why would I choose to shine shame on aspects of myself when there's an opportunity to shine love? I've never healed. I've never shamed myself into healing. That has not worked for me. But I've loved myself again and again into a better place.
true, brother. I love it. I love it. It's so true. Everything you're saying. So enough as you are, pre-order it, y'all. Enough as you are. Scott, if you had one wish, okay, here's the reader of Enough As You Are. They turn the last page. They close the book. What uh, What's in their heart? What What do you want for that reader as that final page is shut? I mean, I, I, I think really just that, that they may see the potential to really, truly love and accept themselves wholly, completely, that that is a very, very real possibility in this human form, in this human time, in this reality, and that maybe they feel a little more inspired to do so if they're not already doing so or if they are already doing so a nudge to continue to do so and you know yeah it's it's for me the title kind of says the overall theme of the book it's a lot about self-acceptance and self-love and um you know the power within each of us to show up for ourselves with an enormous with our enormous hearts and to understand that by doing so we naturally show up for others with that same love do and that's what I feel is your love for your readers. You love them. I get that. Sure. I feel, I love my yeah. readers. People think that's crazy. How could we love our readers? We don't even know our readers. But I I feel you there. I know that. I know that feeling. Yeah. yeah. Why do we wait? Why do we wait to love people? Like yeah. why don't we just start with love and then see what we come to like about people from there? If you commit to loving people, you're much more likely to like them. And even people I can't. I don't necessarily like all that much, I'm able to love because that's how love works. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this. Oh, thank you. Okay, that was your taste of Joy School Spotlight and a representative taste of what I teach at Joy School and what you'll be immersed in if you join us. So please go grab the almost free opportunity to do that at lisamccord.com as part of the pre-order launch celebration for my new book, Free Your Joy. And please also pre-order Scott's new book, Enough As You Are. It's a collection of his insights that you can just randomly open to any page and find exactly what your soul needed to hear that day. It is a beautiful, beautiful book that is also available now for pre-order. I love you listeners. I hope you're making the world your lover. I'm here to help that happen for you. So come on over to Joy School. Much, much love deepest gratitude and love to you my beautiful listener tribe with representation in 30 countries all across the globe i'm so honored to spend this time with you if you're wondering about my online events my books joining my joy school community all of that is waiting for you at lisamccord.com i look forward to connecting with you there much love
Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of A Guided Life Podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.